Well, we are in week two of our season of Abide, as you probably have heard. Our season of prayer and fasting, our 21 days, begins on Monday and ends on February 6th. I'll get more into that in just a little bit. If you heard Pastor Jason's first part of our Abide series, he talked through Philippians chapter 3 and how Paul had one thing. He was focused on one thing, and that was Jesus. We are to focus on this one thing, Jesus. Pastor Jason even made up a word. What was that word? Single-fi. He made up a word, single-fi. We have to be single-fied in our mission to focus on Jesus so that our aim is on the target of Jesus because our aim is to abide. And to abide is to obey. And if we're going to obey, Pastor Jason told us, we've got to have some grooves in our lives. Nothing wrong with goals, but grooves are better. So he left us with this instruction, this question, what grooves do you have in your life that will help stabilize you and make accurate your aim so that Jesus is at the center of everything we do? Today, we're going to get real practical in this because it's one thing to talk about grooves. It's another thing to make the grooves. So we're going to make some grooves today. If you haven't seen that message, you can watch it on the app. You can watch it on the website. You're still going to get what this is because we're going to get to the practical side of it. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 15 or 14, we may stop at 14. No, we're definitely gonna stop at 14. Uh, if, if you don't have a Bible, the verses will be up on the screen. This is Jesus speaking on the shore of the Sea of Galilee to multitudes of people. He's gonna talk about a lot of things. This is the Sermon on the Mount. He's gonna talk about a lot of things, and then he's going to give us a way that leads to life and a way that does not. So here we go, verse 13. He says, enter by the narrow gate. That's how he starts. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. He's saying, hey, there is a way that's gonna lead to destruction. And there's a lot of people on that way. However, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Now, another translation says it this way. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad. That woke some people up. And the gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. God uses this imagery of roads and paths and ways because we get it. We understand that a road or a path or a way is how we get somewhere not if we're on Highway 20, but how we get somewhere. So he uses that imagery. 
Psalm 119, verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Very good. Proverbs 3, 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. You guys are good. This one's a little trickier. Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. So what Jesus is telling us here, he's making it real clear. There are two paths, one to life and one to death. And he's telling us, hey, there's not a lot of traffic on this narrow path to life. But there is a lot of traffic, and it's real easy to get onto the path of destruction. He's looking at these two roads, and he's saying, that road, that road to hell, that road, you don't want to be on that one. You want the narrow one. And that narrow road, the one with, all, the one with no traffic, that's me. That's me. I'm the narrow road. I'm the narrow gate. John 14, 6 says, says what? I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Now, in these verses, there is a component of eternity. There's a component of eternity in these verses, and we're going to come back to that at the end of today's message. But there's also a component of contrasting two different ways of life. So how are we going to get through that narrow gate? That's the question. Well, we're not going to get through the gate using a shotgun approach, which is what Pastor Jason talked about last week. The shotgun approach is scattered we're going to get through the narrow gate by creating grooves, but not just any grooves, godly grooves. And that's what we're gonna to do today. We're gonna to talk about godly grooves. So I wanna start by giving you a definition of a groove. Check this out. A groove is a pattern of behavior in order to perfect by repeated practice, like a golf swing, to interact in harmony, to groove together, to grow together in harmony, to become one. You've heard athletes say that they're in a groove, they're in a zone, they are one with the ball or one with the bat or one with their golf club. So that's what groove means. Now what's the opposite of a groove? If a groove is firing on all cylinders, heading in the right direction, aimed well, focused in, if that is a groove, what would the opposite be? We don't call them bad grooves, do we? No, what do we call them? We call them ruts. We call them ruts. You can be in a groove or you can be in a rut. Definition of a rut a pattern of behavior that has become dull and unproductive and is hard to change. Most of the time we think of a, a rut in a road, and a rut in a road can make things impassable. And when you're in that rut, it's what 
is called stuck. Stuck in a rut. So we're gonna start out with this point. It's gonna be up on the screen. You can be stuck in a rut, but you're gonna grow in a groove. I'm gonna say it again. You can be stuck in a rut, but you're gonna grow. You're gonna thrive in a groove. So that's, that's where we're going. What grooves do we need to create in order for us to grow? What grooves do we need to create in order for us to grow? You were not as impressed with the alliteration as I was when I wrote it, but we'll just get past that. You can have some fun here. We're gonna have some fun. So if our aim is to abide and Jesus is at the center of every target in every aspect of life and you're hitting the center, you're hitting the target, man, you're in a groove. But if you think you're in a groove and you're not hitting the target at all, Jesus isn't the center, you're probably in a rut. And that's the danger of a rut. We don't know we're going into one. No one ever intentionally drives into a rut. Some of you Jeep people, you do that on the weekends. I understand that. <laughs> but for the rest of us, we don't intentionally drive into a rut. We get stuck in a rut and we wonder how we got there. We, we are prone to wander, as the hymn says, we will drift into a rut, but we will not drift into a groove. And that is Satan's plan. Satan's plan is to get us in these ruts using deception. Satan's plan is to get us into these ruts using distraction. Isn't that how it happens? All of a sudden, you're just in a rut. How you doing? I'm in a rut. How'd you get there? I don't know. That's me. That's what happens to me. So what are some of the ruts? What are some of the ruts that, that we are in that find us on the wide path? Because there's a lot of them. So let's start out with this one. Oh, sometimes I'll use my thumb. I have uncommonly strong thumbs from going like this. <sighs> That's a rut. I am in that rut. But I have, I have thousands and thousands of, of followers I have thousands and thousands of friends. I, I, can't, I can't stop social media. Hey, I have heard somebody say to me, social media is chipping away at my life. I would say social media is destroying our lives. Remember what I said last time I was up here? I said, hey, stop seeking an audience of followers and follow the one Single-fi, see what I did there? Follow the one who has been seeking you. We can have all of these followers. We can have all of these social media friends. 
Yet who picked up the phone to call you when you were sick? Who dropped a meal off at your house? Any of them? No, they probably just gave you the little prayer hand emoji. <laughs> I'm not making this up. This is, this is real, and your friends sometimes are not. That's on the wide path. You know what else is on the wide path? Mirrors. Mirrors are on the wide path. I lived uh, quite a bit of time in Los Angeles, so I'm picturing this wide path leading to the wide gate that leads to destruction. I'm picturing it like one of the freeways in Los Angeles, eight lanes each way. You're on one of the lanes, you're going south or you're going north, and everybody's going 90. <laughs> there, there can be traffic jams, but usually it's just people going 90. So I'm picturing on this path of destruction a lot of mirrors, and everybody's going 90, and they're posting TikTok videos of themselves dancing. Or they're, or they're posting stupid memes. And you know what the rest of the people in the other cars are doing? They're watching your videos of TikTok dances and sharing the memes. That's, that's my picture of the destruction, because it's killing you. What are some of the other ruts? Food? Oh, I'm definitely in a rut with food. I am in a rut of rewarding myself with food. This has been a, a lifelong rut. I'll fess up after the Thursday night gatherings, I will stop and get pizza. I am rewarding myself for a 13 or 14 hour day. I worked hard today. I'm gonna to stop and get some pizza. I reward myself with food. I am in a rut in that way. One of the reasons I, I love church when I trusted in Jesus 15 years ago was the potluck. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> I, I'm, in, I'm in a rut. And I, and I, I get in these ruts when I, when I go places that are new, when I'm at a buffet, <laughs> I love buffets, I love Golden Corral. I haven't been on a cruise in 35 years, but I remember that midnight buffet. You been on a cruise? They have a buffet at midnight. Carnival knows, Carnival knows the path to destruction. No, no one is ever an hour past the midnight buffet. It's never one o'clock in the morning on a cruise and somebody says, you know, that was a good idea. I can't wait to do that again tomorrow night. Nobody says that. Yet we go back to the midnight buffet. These are ruts. These are not healthy grooves. Did you watch the national championship game? Oh yeah, go dogs. <laughs> you know what I wanted to do halfway through that game? Go to Taco Bell. That's the only commercial they seem to play, or the only one that I heard. And I'll tell you what, I wanted a crunch wrap so bad, every time that guy went boom, boom, I, I wanted to go to Taco Bell. <laughs> but that's never a good idea. That's never a healthy groove. You may be laughing at that, but you'll turn 28 someday. <laughs> that, because that, that's the age when Taco Bell jumps the shark. That's, that's, <laughs> You don't think it's gonna happen? Oh, it's gonna, it's gonna happen. You're gonna be 28, you're gonna be out with your friends. It'll be late. One of your friends will say, hey, let's go to Taco Bell. They'll still open. 
You'd be like, okay, that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> and then it won't be a good idea. There should be a warning label at those Taco Bell commercials. Food's a rut for a lot of us. Sometimes food can be on that wide path of destruction. Here's a rut. How about so many activities for your kids that you're not involved in church? Yeah, this one's gonna push you a little bit. So many activities for your kids, and church is not one of them. Church is not one of the targets. Jesus is not a target because Timmy's playing travel ball. Timmy's got so many travel ball games. And it, and it used to be, okay, Timmy had to play travel ball so Timmy could get a scholarship. Well, it changed a couple of months ago. I don't know if you follow this, but it changed. Now, Timmy plays three travel ball leagues so he can get an NIL deal. Do you know what that is? An NIL deal is name, image, and likeness. Now, college athletes, I'm not making this up, college athletes can capitalize on their name, image, and likeness and make money even before they play one down in a college football game, even before they throw one pitch in a baseball game, even before they swim one event. Well, let me tell you something. If Timmy doesn't know his name is written in the book of life, if Timmy doesn't know that he is made in the image and likeness of the creator of the universe, his shoe deal ain't gonna matter. It got real quiet for those who have already gotten an agent for their six-year-old. <laughs> those are ruts. I'm not gonna go through all the ruts. It's not an exhaustive list. Just gives you a good picture. Now, what are some grooves? What are some grooves that are gonna help us aim to the target? How about prayer? That's a good groove. How about fasting? How about reading your Bible? How about spending time with God? How about leading your families to church? How about serving? How about giving? Those are all good grooves. And if you noticed, did you notice how ruts had a me component and grooves have a him component? Ruts are about you. Grooves are about him. Ruts lead to destruction. Grooves lead to life. Ruts are self-centered. Grooves are God-centered. That's a point. You might want to write that down. You're going to want to write down a few things today. Ruts are self-centered. Grooves are God-centered. And these things, these grooves that are God-centered, they take intentionality. Because no one drifts to the narrow road. You need a plan. Pastor Jason showed us that picture of the target with the bullseye, God at the center. How do you hit the target? You hit the target by, as he said, rifling in. And the rifling stabilizes the projectile so it can hit the target. The one thing, Jesus. 
So if we want to create grooves that are going to accomplish the aim to abide, we have to stay connected to Jesus. So I'm going to ask a bunch of questions. The questions are going to be up on the screen. You can write them down. Go home, answer the questions. What is your groove of getting with God? That's the first question. What's your groove of getting with God? The title of today's message is What's Your Groove? So first of all, to get with God, we gotta slow down. And that's why we're taking 21 days to pray and fast. I need to slow down. I'm excited about this fast. Remember the uh, Leading a Legacy series? That's how we ended 2021. And in that final message of the Leading a Legacy series, Pastor Jason gave us an acronym. Remember what it was? SLAW. Yes, slaw, stand, stop for a minute, slow down, consider our way of life. The L was, look, look what direction our lives are headed. Consider the outcome of our lives. The A was ask the ancient paths. See, that imagery of roads is coming back. Ask the ancient paths. Ask somebody who has been there, how'd you get there? Ask somebody who, who's headed to the narrow gate, hey, what is the good way? Imitate them. As Paul said to the Corinthians, imitate me as I imitate Christ. He wasn't saying he was perfect, but he was saying, hey, I'm following Jesus. Why don't you come follow Jesus with me? And then the W was walk. Walk in it. The last step is to walk in the good way. So we've got to slow down. We've got to stop. So the first thing we have is an abide guide uh, that we created. Uh, it'll be on the website. It's already on the website. Um, and it was created with the intention of slowing down and spending time with God. I want you to take a deep breath. Think about someone you like spending time with. You have that picture of that person in your head? You may be sitting next to them right now. Does that thought bring you joy? It does for me. I love sitting next to my wife. I love holding her hand. I love when we're just on the couch together. Check this out. You're that special to God. If you didn't know that before today, and if that's the only thing you leave with, home run. You are that special to God. He is crazy about you. That's joy. So knowing that you are special to someone brings you that joy. If you wake up on Monday morning and you know you were that special to God, how does that inform sitting in the living room, in the dark, just with him, spending time with him? 
We have to create a groove in these 21 days where we slow down and we spend time with God, which is so counter to what we think of when it comes to quiet time. Quiet time to me is always so noisy. Quiet time to me is, got to do my Bible reading plan. I have failed at so many Bible reading plans. When I first got saved, I, I printed out, because I don't think iPhones were, were out 15 years ago, I printed out the John Piper Bible reading plan. And man, I was in a groove. And I made it all the way to January 4th. You know what I'm talking about. And felt like a complete failure. But when we just want to spend time with God and be with God, Pete Scazzaro, uh, he is a pastor in New York. Pastor Jason's talked about him a lot. He, he said, we're, we're human beings, not human doings. We don't have to do, do, do. We get to be, be, be. And what we're talking about, these are things that Jesus talked about in that same Sermon on the Mount. When you pray, when you fast, when you give, it's important that we do these things, but it's also important that we get a groove on, that we have a plan for these things, or else we're going to be shooting shotguns at this target. So the first thing I want to do is talk about this abide guide. First, notice that it is called a guide. It's not called a devotional. And you're probably thinking, wow, this is, this is going to be pretty deep. And they probably spent a lot of time coming up with this name. No, we named it the abide guide because it rhymes. <laughs> but if you think about it, it does get a little deep. Let me give you the definition of a devotional, and this is why it's not called a devotional. A devotional can have many meanings for different people depending upon how they grew up, because devotion is simply enthusiasm for a person, an activity, or a cause. That's it. So depending upon whether you grew up in church or what kind of church you grew up in or how many of those tear-off 365 day a year calendar devotional things you had in your house. That's what devotions mean to you. But a guide, listen to this definition something that shows someone, ready? The way. We didn't plan that, but it's pretty good. So we are showing you the way in this abide guide. And we're teaching you a simple Bible reading method that our groups go through. It's called REAP, read, examine, apply, and pray. And we're giving you examples every single day. This is already up on the website. You can print out the abide guide. You can write on it. But here's the thing. We give you an example of how to do this. Notice each day starts with Two minutes of silence, practicing stillness and being with God. Not doing anything, just being with God. And then reading the verse and then asking questions about the verse. Now, at the beginning of the Abide Guide, there are a whole bunch of questions. So you can use this with any verse 
We did these for you to give you an example, and you can use our example, but we want you to ask those questions about these verses and write down in the margins what God is speaking to you about. You're going to read the verse. You're going to examine the verse. What does God mean? You're going to apply the verse. What what does he want me to do about it? Because that's kind of important. And then you're going to pray about the verse. And then you're going to conclude with two minutes of silence. At the end of the 21 days, you will have a groove of doing this on your own so that you're not relying on somebody to write a guide or a devotional to tell you what God says. You can read God's word and you can interpret what God says. And that's the whole mission of this is to get you to do that. I mean, if you read each verse every day and you just ask two questions, what does this verse say about God? And how can I live in response to that truth today? A groove of those two questions will be life-changing. It was life-changing to me. So that's the groove of praying and reading the Bible. Use the abide guide. Use the abide guide. All right, what's your groove of giving up something? That is the groove of fasting. What is the groove of giving up something? Remember, fasting is saying, Lord, you are more important than my belly. You are more important than Twitter. You are more important than Facebook. You are more important than TikTok. But when you give something up, you have to replace it with something. So you're replacing those things. The time that you would be on those things, you're replacing it with things that are going to be healthy, godly grooves, praying, fasting, reading your Bible. Pastor Jason called everyone in the church to two things. Number one, some sort of food fast. And there is on the Abide Guide some different kinds of fasts based upon your health, based upon your age, But the path, the groove does require denial. Jesus fasted, and that verse we saw when we came out here, Jesus talks about that. I'm going to read you the one, the same concept in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 through 26. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come to me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and Follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man? Hang on. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Sure sounds like the comparison of ruts and grooves to me. Denial is a groove. Fasting. Man, fasting is real denial. And when you're fasting and when you're taking something out of your life, 
take something out of your life that hurts. Because you're saying, Lord, (laughs) I really like this, but I love you more. I want to be with you more. So it's got to be something that hurts. Like, I'm not going to fast from cilantro. I hate it. It is from the devil. It's more than a distraction. But I really like salty snacks. I really like chocolate. I really like carbs, pizza, burgers, hot dogs. Yes, I have the palate of a 10-year-old. <laughs> I really like all those things. Last year, for the fast, you know what I did? I just drank liquids. I took everything out. I had a shotgun approach to the fast last year. It wasn't focused. It, it was almost easier to take everything out because I didn't have to think, wow, I would, would really love a piece of chocolate after this meal because that's the, that's the bad groove. That's the rut that I'm in. I need something sweet after a meal. Anybody else? Yeah, almost half the hands. I need something sweet after a meal. That's a bad groove. That is a rut. So this year I'm taking out just the things I love. Carbs, salty snacks, pizza, chocolate, thought about coffee. Pastor Jason, last week, I was sitting in the back of the room, the 9.30 gathering, and he said, yeah, one time I I fasted from coffee. (laughs) I was like, that's crazy talk, Pastor Jason. (laughs) And then I thought about it all week. I really like coffee. Not like Pastor Jason likes coffee. He likes good coffee. He likes grinding his own beans and setting the temperature of the water and weighing the grounds and doing the pour-over thing. I, I will drink coffee from a gas station on 75 South, not the good places, not the racetracks or the QTs, certainly not the Buckies. I will go to a place like below Macon when there's like it's a generic gas station and you're not sure if they've ever turned the coffee machine on and the pot is filled with like this sludge and there's snakes flying around in it. I, I will drink that coffee. Nothing wrong with good coffee. <laughs> I like the caffeine. I need the hit. I'm not going to drink coffee. So no coffee, no chocolate, no salty snacks, no carbs. I am going to be a hoot to be around. (laughs) But that's what I'm going to do. If it's something you think you need the most, that's probably what you need to fast from. You gotta have a groove. You gotta have a plan. Don't wake up on Monday morning and ask your spouse, what are we gonna fast from? That is not a plan. That is not how you start a groove. That is how you fail on day one. Prepare your house. We're gonna have to get all the sweets, all the salty snacks, all of that stuff out of the house. The second fast that Pastor Jason has called us to is a church-wide social media fast. Yeah. Everybody. The church is not going to post on social media. Not on our Facebook page, not on the Instagram page, 
So it is important that you have the app for notifications. Make sure you turn your notifications on. You'll get texts from the church, but we won't be using social media. Again, last Sunday during the 9.30 gathering, Pastor Jason said, yeah, I've prepared for this. I took the social media apps off my phone. And I looked at my phone. <laughs> I looked at him, and I looked at my phone. And I thought, what are they still doing on my phone? Between Christmas and New Year's, on that break, you know the thing that pops up on your phone, screen time? And then you can find out individual apps, how much screen time you've had on those apps. Do you know what my average was that week on Twitter? Two hours and 45 minutes a day. Two hours and 45, two hours and 45 minutes. I'm, I'm not embarrassed to tell you this. I'm shocked that it was two hours and 45 minutes. In that message last week, I just deleted those apps. And as I deleted Twitter, you know what I thought? How am I gonna watch the national championship game if I don't have two screens up? I, I need to be watching the game, I need to be scrolling on Twitter, what are they saying about that play? What are they saying about this? What are they saying about that? But I didn't have social media during the game. And as you can see, I survived. I lived. I managed to live all week without social media. And you ready for this? I have not been this anxiety free in years. I am not making that up. I have been anxiety free because my brain can only handle so many thoughts. And my brain has not been filled with everybody's opinion on this and everybody's opinion on that. I'm not scrolling on Facebook, reading memes that are probably pretty funny. I'm not mindlessly going through this to where 45 minutes later, I've done nothing. I've just let the devil distract me. Wednesday morning, I picked up my Bible in the time that I would normally be scrolling on Twitter. And I read something so amazing in Jeremiah that I've probably read before, but I just never saw it. The prophecy of Jesus as the branch, capital B, coming to save the world. That was a little better than somebody posting about why there was traffic on 575 just was. Let me ask you a question. If you had a week to live, would you spend two hours and 45 minutes a day on social media? What's your groove of giving? We have a groove of tithing in our house. We know that I get paid on the 1st and the 15th. We have set up our automatic tithe, our recurring gift on the website. You can do it on the app. Use your bank's bill pay. I know that 
first and the 15th, the first thing that happens to the money that God has given me is a return to him. My wife, she's paid on commission. At the end of the month, we figure out what that is. We go onto the app and we tithe off of that. It's not something we have to pray about. It's not something that's in the Bible that says pray about being generous. But if you haven't been generous, and this is an encouragement, if you haven't been generous, you can ask God, hey, what's been holding you back? Maybe it's not understanding ties. I, I, I get that. When I got saved in 2006, I, you want me to do what? <laughs> it took a while until I, I heard some solid teaching about that money doesn't belong to me. Everything is a gift from God. It wasn't until then that I began to understand tithing. We're all in a different part of that journey, which is a groove, which is a pathway, but regular generosity needs a groove. And if, if, if this is the moment where you're uncomfortable because we're talking about something that is a step of obedience in the Bible, it's not meant to be uncomfortable. It's meant to point out some truths. See, generosity is on that narrow road. The path of destruction that's all about me, all about you, generosity is not a factor. And, it, and if, you've been, if you've been coming to revolution for a while and you haven't taken that step of obedience, Somebody's sitting in your groove. And someday your kids are gonna be sitting in somebody else's groove. Don't you want them sitting in your groove? That's not to make anybody feel guilty. It's saying that grooves up the game because the path is narrow. It's a narrow gate. What else needs grooves? Gratitude needs grooves. What's your groove for gratitude? Giving thanks, taking time every day, spending a few moments thanking God for everything in every circumstance, the Bible says. Sometimes we can get into a rut of thanking God only when something good happens. Got a raise, thank you, Lord. Something good happened, thank you, Lord. But we got to thank God in the trials and the victories. What's your groove for good thoughts? I don't mean positive vibes. I mean good thoughts. Here's the thing about our thoughts. Brain science has shown us that every time we have a thought, a chemical reaction happens. And that chemical reaction goes through receptors and connectors and if the thought is over and over and over again, it creates what? Grooves? Creates grooves in our brain. And some of these grooves are good grooves, and some of these are bad thoughts, and they create ruts. And these grooves and these ruts, they deepen over time, and it, it takes more effort to change the rut. Imagine the rut that our brains are in right now 
because of social media and negative thoughts. Paul understood this 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, Paul got this. That's why in Philippians 4.8, one of my favorite verses of all time, he says, finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Does the news or the social media make your thoughts turn to those things? Whatever is pure, whatever is just, whatever is praiseworthy, we have to get into a groove of having the right thoughts. Paul understood garbage in, garbage out. I'm having a discussion with myself right now in my head. Do I say what I'm about to say or not? Okay. I don't care what you think of the president. I don't care what you think of the ex-president. I don't care what you think of the next president. But if you're still posting stuff about Brandon, stop it. Stop with the negative thoughts. It is unbecoming of a Christian. And you lose all influence to tell somebody who doesn't believe the same thing that you believe you lose all influence to tell them about Jesus. Those are ruts. Get into a groove of good thoughts. Last one. What is your groove of going to church? What is your groove of coming to church and being involved in the life of the church? Because if you don't have a groove, it is not going to happen especially if you've gotten a little complacent over the last couple of years of gathering together. I've heard some pastors say, coming to church on Sunday is a Saturday decision. You ever hear that? I think that's wrong. I think coming to church on Sunday is a salvation decision. That's a done deal. The day that you said yes to Jesus, that is the day that you said yes to gathering together with God's people. That's, that's a salvation decision. Giving is a salvation decision. Serving is a salvation decision. If we wait until Saturday night, or worse, Sunday morning, to say, whether you're going to church or not, chances are you're sleeping in. I wasn't waking up on Sunday morning 15 years ago and deciding, deciding whether or not I'm coming to church based on how I felt. I didn't know not coming to church was an option. Coming to church is one of those family culture statements that you just make. Hey, this is our commitment. We are going to rifle in on Jesus and we are going to aim to be in church. 
Tony Evans, a well-known pastor, he said, I hear people say, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. They're right. Salvation is through faith alone in Christ alone. You also don't have to go home to be married. But stay away long enough, your relationship will suffer. See, the wide path, the wide gate is, is getting what you want. And how many times have we heard from this stage, you don't get what you want doing what you want. You get what you want doing the things you need to do to get what you want. And that is creating godly grooves in your life. You want a fruitful marriage? Create godly grooves. All of these grooves that we talked about, What's your groove for praying? What's your groove for fasting? What's your groove for giving? What's your groove for coming to church? All of it's all to help you grow. You get stuck in the rut, but you grow in the grooves. I need to hear this because I get stuck so often. But let's bring it back. Let's bring it back to Matthew 7, 13 and 14. These verses speak to two different ways of life. One that leads to destruction and one that leads to life. And maybe, maybe you haven't made that decision yet. Maybe you're listening to all this stuff about grooves and coming to church and giving and tithing and, and, and praying and fasting and you haven't even made the decision what path you're gonna take. Like I said, I, I, I was on a wide path with many people for decades doing what I wanted to do. When I stopped and I looked at my life and I asked the ancient path, I asked questions of somebody who's been there and then I walked. I was slawing 15 years ago before I knew what slawing was. Well, you've heard the truth. Jesus' own words, he's the only way. The path that leads to life. How? I preach this every day to myself. It's not an exaggeration. I preach it every day to myself because I need to remember because I'm prone to drive into a rut. I'm prone to wander. And the truth is, God is crazy about you. He does love you. But we've all messed up. We're all sinners. And we're not compared to everybody else driving 90 on the freeway on the wide road to destruction. We're compared to a holy, perfect, righteous God who says there's a penalty to our sin. The penalty is eternal separation. Guess what? 
you get to go in the wide gate to destruction, to death. He doesn't want that because he loves you so much that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Y'all ought to be shouting because that's good news. That is the good news of the gospel. And he sent Jesus to take the penalty that we deserve and he crushed him. He, he sent him to the cross. And Jesus died on that cross and rose three days later, declaring victory over death so that we can be on a narrow path that leads to a narrow gate. And yeah, it's going to be tough, but oh, oh, the reward is so worth it. So remember, as Pastor Jason talked about rifling, you have to rifle in order to stabilize the projectile. We have to rifle in on these grooves to stabilize our lives. Because nobody in this room, nobody watching online, wants an unstable life. And the only way to have a stable life is to have a firm foundation. And the only firm foundation there is, is Jesus, because he never changes. Same yesterday, same today, same tomorrow. So if our aim is to abide, the only way is to trust in Jesus first. So I'm going to give you that opportunity. If you've never trusted in Jesus, we're going to pray. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, you give us everything we need to be on that narrow path. But there are some that have not yet chosen a path. And I know personally how much fun it was on the wide path to destruction because I didn't even know I was in a rut. I didn't even know I was heading to death. So for anybody sitting here that has not made the decision between the narrow gate and the wide gate. Father, move in their hearts right now and open up their eyes to show them that they don't even know they're heading to destruction. And if that's you, and you want that firm foundation so you can begin to create godly grooves in your life to keep you through that narrow gate. You can repeat after me this prayer to trust in Jesus. Repeat to yourself, Father, I recognize that I am a sinner and that I need a Savior. I hear that you are the way, the truth, and the life, and I want life I choose life over destruction. Will you save me? If that was you, again, uh, you can keep your eyes closed. If that was you, we want to know about that. Our prayer team is here. They have a Bible that they want to give you because the Bible is one of those grooves. Reading God's word is one of those grooves. If I 
was deployed in the military and my wife sent me a letter every single week and I came home and she was putting my stuff away and she found a packet of those letters and they hadn't been opened, what do you think she would say? God gives us his heart in his word and he wants us to read it. That's the groove. If that was you, raise your hand. Raise it high. This is the greatest day of your life. You are now standing on a firm foundation of Jesus and you can aim right at the target. Thank you. Now for the rest of us. Oh, I can't wait for this fast. I can't wait for these grooves. I can't wait for day four because I know that day three is still gonna be a really big headache cutting out coffee. But I know that God is going to speak to me. I don't know what he's going to say, but I am expectant. And I want you to be expectant that he is gonna speak to you through the patterns and the pathways and the roads and the grooves that you are going to create. Imagine thousands of people in one church body all pursuing Jesus and rifling in on the target. Oh, we together are going to be a force people. Father, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.